Welcome to episode three of John Banks's Civil War blog. I'm John Banks, your host, and we're coming to you from the international headquarters of the blog here in beautiful downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I just got back from uh, a terrific bakery in Nashville on 8th Street, Bakery on 8th. If you ever have a chance to go there, check it out. I had a delicious piece of strawberry bread and a wholesome glass of 2% milk. And what was really neat is I sat down in Bakery on 8th, I looked across the street and there's an historical marker and up on the hill is where during the Civil War, there was Fort Casino, one of uh, several forts around Nashville, uh, which was occupied by the Union Army beginning in March 1862. The fort is long gone. It is now the site of the Nashville Reservoir. And pretty close by, there's also uh, the remains of Fort Negley, which was the, the largest fort in Nashville. And if you ever have a chance to come to the Music City and you're into Civil War stuff, which presumably you are because you're listening to this podcast, I highly recommend that you go visit uh, Fort Negley and maybe glance over toward the site of Fort Casino uh, when you're there. Great. Well, our guest tonight is going to be Harry Smeltzer. He's a fellow Pittsburgher, and he's going to talk about uh, the first battle of Bull Run and his uh, Bull Running's blog, one of the one of the uh, uh, longtime blogs on the internet, very deep resource for the first battle of Bull Run. Harry will join us here shortly. Um, first, I have a couple Civil War notes. Uh, on Saturday, uh, I traveled about two and a half hours. Uh, let me see. I'm a little geographically challenged two and a half hours west of Nashville and visited uh, Shiloh Battlefield, which was really terrific. And I went there with the intention of riding my bike, which I brought along with me, my road bike. But I decided at the last minute uh, not to do that. And I ended up doing some reporting on a story on the cast iron tablets uh, on the battlefield there, put there uh, by uh, veterans late in the 19th century. They're very colorful, very, very interesting to check those out. And then uh, another Civil War note on uh, recently, I went out to the Stones River battlefield, which is about 45 minutes. Let me see if I get this right. East of Nashville and uh, was there. Uh, if you've ever been to Stones River, uh, lately it's uh, somewhat sad to see because there's so much development around Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where the Battle of Stones River took place. There's the core battlefield, which is about, I think, 15% of the battlefield that that's, comprises the National Park Service site. And then much of the rest of the battlefield, unfortunately, has been developed or soon will be developed. And I went out to a site, a construction site with a friend of mine who recently on this construction site found um, uh, 10 Confederate buttons, which is a 
super rare find nowadays. In, in the 70s or, or decades ago, uh, such a find would be much more common. Uh, but for, to discover something like that today is really pretty incredible. Um, and that site where he did his digging, he had permission, of course. That site soon will sadly become uh, an apartment complex. And if you want to read about that, check out uh, John Dax's Civil War blog. I posted uh, a story on Stan Hudson, is, is my friend's name, who found those buttons. You find about an 800-word story with uh, some photos, including a panorama that I shot of the site. And it kind of looks like the surface of the moon. The construction crew just took off hundreds of yards of topsoil in preparation for uh, building, eventually building the apartment complex on that site. So there you go. Okay, um, our guest tonight, Harry Smeltzer. Harry, are, are you there? I am here, can you hear me? Yes, I can. The, the magic of the Anchor podcast technology. Harry, welcome. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And, and uh, as I noted in the introduction, Harry is a fellow Pittsburgher, so you know that he cannot be a bad person. Anybody from Pittsburgh is almost guaranteed to be a fine human being. And I know, Harry, you fit in that category. You and I have known each other for a while. We've walked uh, Gettysburg a couple of years ago. Uh, I know your, uh, your key battlefield, your go-to battlefield is Bull Run, and we'll talk about that in a second. But first, Harry, why don't, uh, why don't you tell us what you do in your day job, uh, the, everything else besides Civil War? What do you do, what do, you do for, in, for your profession? Uh, what I do for my profession is uh, sit around and figure out how much houses are worth. I'm a real estate appraiser. Oh, nice. Excellent. So that, uh, unlike a lot of other jobs, it's pretty fast description. Awesome. Well, where do you go to? Uh, where do you go to uh, college, Harry? I I am a graduate of the Pennsylvania State University, and I got a graduate degree at Pitt. Awesome. Does Penn State have any plans to trademark uh, the V in front of the Penn State University, like that school in Ohio plans to do? No, I don't believe so. In fact, I think when I went there, that's the official name was the Pennsylvania State University. But uh, for a while, they tried to rebrand themselves as just Penn State. I don't know what's going on with that anymore. Really don't follow it. But uh, the is an article, isn't it? The I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My long English teacher. It's kind, it's kind of like uh, in Gettysburg when you see some of the ghost stories are trademarked and i'm not sure how you trademark a fact. i don't know what they're doing at ohio state harry but uh, in fact when when does penn state and ohio state play this year do you know i'm not sure of the date um i haven't been to a penn state ohio state game in a couple of years gotcha. um but uh yeah i'm not sure when it, it, it's usually in um late october early november i think when they play well, I know who I'll be rooting for uh, that game. And uh, uh, as we get closer to October, maybe I'll, uh, I'll place a bet on it. But we'll, we'll leave that. Uh, we'll push that aside for now, Harry. 
and we'll move along to some high quality civil war talk. Um, the reason we have Harry on is the, that he has a, as I mentioned earlier, a uh, blog called Bull Runnings. And it says at the top, it's a journal of the digitization of a civil war battle. And, and if you want to check out Harry's blog, just Google Bull Runnings. That's plural and you can check it out. Harry, you've been doing this for a long time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Bull Running's blog? Sure. Um, I started it. Uh, it'll be 13 years in November uh, that I've been that I've been doing. Uh, or I, I call it building the website because uh, while it's on a blog platform, WordPress platform, um, it's kind of a bifurcated um, website in that you'll find a lot of typical blog features there, like. I'll share some of my research or I have book reviews or author interviews or sometimes there's something civil war in the news. <clears throat> Although I've, I've moved a lot of that type of stuff over to Facebook and Twitter. Um, so there's that side to it. And then the other side to it is why I really, is how it really came about was uh, it's a compilation or an archive of uh, primary data on uh, first bull run um, that would include soldiers letters diaries memoirs um, after action reports from the official records uh, correspondence photographs maps kind of a uh, um, a source for people doing their own research into the battle why why bull why bull run here and, and why specifically the first battle of bull run i mean we know a lot of people are, are deeply into the Battle of Gettysburg. Antietam might be down a level, you know, a level lower. Bull Run, first battle of Bull Run. What is the fascination with the first battle of Bull Run? Well, uh, why I got into it was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been in into the Civil War for a long time like anybody else, probably like you when I was in, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade we took a tr field trip to Gettysburg and that so it was back in the 60s when I first got into um, the Civil War and got fascinated with it but uh, in the 90s of course everybody was uh, getting even more heavily into it online either in the Usenet groups or email groups or bulletin boards on on the internet and up through the early 2000s and I I was kind of heavy into that and belonged to a lot of different groups where People got to uh, um, discuss at various levels general topics as well as very, very specific topics. And um, along with all that was buying books, and I had no self-control <laughs> and a lot of different interests in the Civil War. So I was building up a pretty big collection of books and uh, just kind of decided I needed to focus on something. And uh, I was kind of getting more into writing and uh, um, into uh, websites and blogs and things like that when I decided I'd give it a shot. Um, initially, what happened was um, Dmitry Rotov, or Rotov, I'm not sure how you say his last name, but he has a website called Civil War Bookshelf, asked me to host his blog for a week while he was away. And I did that and kind of found out it was not that hard. 
to uh, get words to appear on somebody else's computer screen and um, looked into it a little further. And then I had never really been satisfied with what I read about first bull run. Um, everything seemed to be more uh, generalizations or the battle would be worked into a, a larger story of the outbreak of the war. Um, some other things didn't make sense to me as I read along, seemed contradictory. Um, so I just decided I was going to figure out for myself, you know, get a better picture of what happened at the first battle of Bull Run and what it was all about. And in the process of that, um, Brian Downey, who's a friend of mine, has a website called Antietam on the Web, which is essentially what I was thinking of doing for Bull Run. But he is much more savvy as far as computer uh, computer stuff goes. And um, I didn't I don't have the I really don't have the capacity for that um, to build a database. So I was trying to teach myself. And while I was trying to teach myself, I thought, well, maybe I'll just put that, you know, put my thoughts down on not on paper, but on the computer. And uh, that's when I fell upon the uh, WordPress blog platform. And that's why it's called the, digit, the, the uh, Journal of the Digitization of a Civil War Battle. Now, really, it's not the journal anymore. It really is the, digi the digitization process uh, because I found it a lot easier just to use that uh, platform than to learn everything I'd need to learn to be able to build the database the way that Brian built his. Harry, tell, tell us a little bit. Now, I've, I've been noodling or I've noodled around your site often. And, mm -hmm. and when I write for my own blog, and I think I have you know, on my blog, I may have two or three bull run posts. And I think whenever I look for information, you know, regarding the first battle of bull run, I'll always go to your site. And, and you know it better than anybody, and we're able to direct me to some information at one point. But it's a huge amount of information on here. I mean, it's extremely deep. So why don't you kind of tell us briefly what a reader can find on your blog? Like, I'm looking at your Bull Run resources page, which is really, really mm -hmm. impressive. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Right. Yeah, the blog is basically... Like I said, it's, it's, it's two parts, and I, re I refer to them as articles and resources. So anything that's not a primary um, source on the battle is, is referred to as an article, even if I'm sharing my own research. Um, that's called an article, and the resources are everything else that I mentioned before, the ORs and the, and the letters and whatnot. The reason that I, I settled on WordPress as a platform was because it had this uh, pagination um, capability that, that some of the other blogs, uh, blog platforms don't have. So you can, like a book, you can look in chapters or uh, use an index to find, um, to find this stuff, not just a search engine. Because search engines, as, as you know, when you use them on websites, you, you put in a word and you can get endless um, hits on that on that single word or term or phrase or whatever. Um, and this way, it was a little more organizable. Um, so if you go into the resources page, you'll find 
uh, everything's listed, I think, kind of alphabetically down the right-hand column of the, of the, of the page, uh, of the blog page. Or if you go into the resource page itself, it's organized in the same fashion on there. So you can click on a heading. There may be other things under that heading, but uh, say if you click on um, uh, Union Soldier Correspondence, I don't have the website in front of me. The camera exactly. Union Union Private Correspondence, either Union Correspondence Private. Then you'll hit on all the uh, letters that I have on there in alphabetical order. Um, or you can click on the uh, uh, order of battle. I've got several orders of battle on there. And you can go right down the order of battle. If you're looking for something, say, in the 69th New York State Militia, you can find that unit on the order of battle, and it'll have all the letters that I have, all the official reports that I have, all the memoirs, whatever, uh, maps, photographs of individuals. And they're all hyperlinked right there on that, on that uh, page on the order of battle. There's other things I'd like to do. I'd like to be able to set up maps the same way. Just haven't got around to it yet. I've got a lot of stuff uh, sitting on my computer that hasn't been transcribed and put onto the website yet. Here, you're a slacker. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Why isn't this stuff online? Come on. <laughs> it's getting there. Getting there. No, no, in all seriousness, listeners, it's really, it's a tremendous resource. I can't say, uh, tell you enough about how really cool it is to have this type of stuff. And Harry, what I'm particularly interested in is I'd love to read soldier correspondence. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, where do you, where do you get that stuff? Where's it come from? Are you, are you going on eBay and scanning letters or what are you doing? Uh, well, the overwhelming majority of what's on my website comes from newspapers. Um, and the source for that. The primary source for my letters so far has been uh, John Hennessy of uh, Fredericksburg, uh, Spotsylvania National Military Park, um, National uh, Park historian, National Park Service historian, and author of probably the definitive work on the first and second battles of Bull Run. Um, he has sent me, he has forwarded me a lot of his research. Uh, and, and, and when I get those, uh, I transcribe them all myself. I don't use uh, uh, any type of software. It's one way that I can teach. I can learn myself about what's in these letters, mm -hmm. as opposed to scanning them and having a what's it called OCR. I think uh, yeah, yeah. software. Um, I I transcribe all, almost every letter that's on there. I've transcribed myself from um, either the original uh, a, a copy of the original letter or copies of in most cases it's copies of the uh, pdf copies or image copies of the newspapers themselves which i also put on uh the website uh, after at the end of my transcription you can actually click a link and it'll pull up the clipping itself um so you can see if if i carried something over incorrectly then you can't blame me because the what they, they call that metadata i think and it's right there too. It's it's linked. Um, there are other occasions where I've received uh, copies of correspondence uh, in a couple of cases from descendants of people who were there. Um, that's a lot less common. 
Uh, I'd like to see more of it. If anybody's listening, uh, if you want your ancestor to become part of the digital record of the battle, um, one way you can do that is get in touch with me and send me your uh, whatever it is you have. And if if it's verifiable that it's that it's real, I'll put it on. Oh, that's awesome. And again, listeners, we're talking here with Harry Smeltzer, who uh, runs the Bull Runnings blog. Uh, not really a blog. It's a, it's a journal of the digitization of a Civil War battle. And this is the, the, the first battle of Bull Run, not the second battle of Bull Run. Harry, I'm, cu- I'm curious, why, uh, why did you decide not to, to venture into second Bull Run territory also? Because well, I'm probably never going to finish the first battle either. <laughs> I've got, I got a lot of stuff. Everybody always asks me about second Bull Run. You know what? There's an example of how to do this, not the best example, uh, but there is an example of how to do it. If you want to go ahead and do it, knock yourself out. I'll help you all I can. But but uh, I don't see really an end in sight for this project for me. Uh, of course, you know, eventually uh, I'll have more time uh, to spend on it, but uh, I really can't imagine that um, – I'm going to run out of material anytime soon. I'm, I've got I've got sixty some odd pages of the Dixon uh, Miles Court of Inquiry um, sitting up there waiting to be transcribed. How and I don't know how long that. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how the how how the heck long would that take you to transcribe all that stuff? So that, I don't know. I didn't do it yet. <laughs> and those are all handwritten um, pages. As well, that a, a oh, wow. friend of mine, Jim Rosebrock, um, went down to the National Archives. I believe it was the archives, okay. uh, and, and he photographed each of each of those pages and sent them to me. Wow! Um, but I just haven't had a, a chance. To, I think I I did one or maybe a summary. The you know the the, the summary letter I may have transcribed and put on the website. I, I'm pretty sure there's a category under. Uh, under the resources for the Dixon Miles Court of Inquiry, because it's referred to all the time. Uh-huh. Um, but not a whole lot of people who have written, who have referred to the Dixon Miles Court of Inquiry have actually seen the records. They're usually referring to somebody else who's referred to them and somebody else who's referred to them. So of all the stuff that you have on this site, Harry, there's got to be something that you say to yourself, wow, this is, I'm really glad I did this. This is really cool. This is, this is what I'm most proudest of. Do you have mm. anything like that on your site where you, where you like going, this is really neat? Well, from, from the bloggy side of it, um, there was some stuff I tied together on um, the descendants of some. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. There we go. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Um, we're, we're, we're at the mercy of technology sometimes. So go ahead, Eric. That's okay. Um, Kilpatrick, did you get that part? No, start on over. Okay. All right. 
so anyway, you were, you were asking me if there's anything I'm particularly proud of. From the blog side, it was it, it was a series of articles I wrote on the descendants of uh, Hugh Judson Kilpatrick, who wasn't at first bull run. Um, that was pretty. It's it's a it's one of those cool stories. Uh, does it does it add anything to our understanding? I don't really know, but the connections were really neat. So it's from the from the blog side of it that that was a series of articles I was really um, happy about writing. Um, from the uh, uh, our, from the uh, resources section, um, there's a there's so many really 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 good letters because this is early in the war and most of these regiments on both sides were made up of militia. Um, and to get into a militia unit prior to the war was not a, a really an easy thing to do is usually some of the more upstanding and well-educated people, um, in the community that got into those militia units. So you have a lot of very literate and erudite, uh, people that were writing these letters home. So you get some really colorful, um, and insightful letters um, that later in the war you probably saw less of, not only because uh, you had a, a bigger pool, but that um, the incidents that they were writing about were commonplace later in the war. So the, the, the death of a comrade, say, or the aftermath of the battle um, was, or, or the first reaction to being under fire was so, um, different to these men that it made such an impression on them and everything was brand new. So the, their accounts, uh, things that they would refer to as an atrocity at, at the beginning of the war uh, were, were things like burying a body face down was considered to be an atrocity. Now later on, it wasn't even thought of. Somebody dies in camp, there was a full military honor, everybody turns out, funeral. Um, for every single death. Later on, as it became more common, uh, you don't run across the deep detail of the happenings surrounding those events. And from the from the um, resources side, individual letters uh, that stand out. There's just so many of them. Some of them are not, you know, they're very perfunctory, but. Um, there's a lot of really, really great detail and uh, really well-written um, stuff in there. That's neat. Now, Harry, I know you've, you've been to Bull Run, obviously. I know because I've personally seen you there. Uh, in fact, I think it was three or four years ago, I was on a tour that John Hennessy, as Harry mentioned earlier, who's the chief historian at the Fredericksburg, Spotsylvania uh, battlefields, gave that was really excellent. It rained early on the tour, uh, but we had about 40 or 50 or maybe even more diehards who were on this tour that Harry and John conducted that was really, really good. And I know, Harry, that recently you had another tour that was uh, given under some a little bit trying circumstances. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, the tour that you were on was the first um, bull runnings battlefield tour that, that I did through the website. And um, I've done four of those so far. 
the last one was in May, uh, where we followed in the footsteps of the 69th New York State Militia with myself and with John Hennessy and with a historian from Ireland, uh, Damien Shields, who runs the um, uh, Irish and the American Civil War uh, website, which was pretty well attended to. We had about 50 people there. At your tour, we had, I think, 65 plus some people who kind of just merged into our group as we moved over the battlefield. Um, so I hope to do one or two of those types of tours every year. Done, Like I said, I've done four so far. We've done another one on photo photography at, at the battlefield, and we did one on artillery at the battlefield. Hopefully Harry, we'll have another one or two next year. Yes, sir. Harry, I'm, I'm a nooks and crannies guy. Like when I go to a battlefield, uh, I always like, first of all, they're like snowflakes to me. Like every time you look at a snowflake, you know, everyone's different. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it looks different every time you see it or whatever. I, I might be mixing that up a little bit. But when I go to a battlefield, like when I was a child on Saturday, you know, I like to go to places that typically off the beaten path places. Is that the mm -hmm. type of person you are or, or are you a are you a right flank, left flank type of guy or are you a human interest person or a nooks and crannies person? How would you describe your your where do you fit? I'm a people person like that guy on office space. You know, I got people skills. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm more I'm more interested. I'm not so interested in. Was Company A on the far left? Was was Company D on the what was what was where was the color company? Uh, I'm not one of those guys, although that stuff interests me uh, because it leads to different things. But uh, it's not my main focus. I'm much more interested on what those people had to say, and even in what happened to them later in life. Because you know, being here in Pittsburgh, we've got people that were in uh, nine months regiments that maybe only made it to the front lines for a week. Uh, and uh, then they died in 1910, but their, their um, tombstone is a huge core badge, you know? So, so there's a lot more to uh, these people than just what happened to them, you know, in an hour and a half, 90 minutes, four hours, whatever, on, or, or, or on a campaign. Um, so I'm, I'm much more interested in, um, I'm, I'm not going to say human interest story, but I'm, because I'm also very, very interested in, in the, the true military history aspects. But uh, when, as far as going to a battlefield, I like to go to uh, off-the-beaten-path places, just like you do. Uh, there's, there's, there's actually a really cool place on, on uh, the first floor on battlefield that everybody is near, but hardly any, anyone ever goes to, and that's right by the visitor center. There's a, a, a stretch of the original Sudley Road that runs parallel to uh, the current Sudley Road, um, right near the uh, visitor's center. It's one of my favorite spots on the field. There are other traces of the original road around too, but that's one of my favorite spots. And when I have a group in that area, because it's not very far from where uh, Griffin's guns are, I like to either take them over there or remind them that they might want to head over there. But uh, most people, when they go to First Bull Run uh, or Manassas in general, they're either – tooling around Henry Hill there on a little loop trail, or they're going to the railroad cut, which was more of a feature of the second battle. But uh, most people are very surprised at the size of uh, Manassas National Battlefield Park. It's a pretty big park. 
don't know how many acres it is, but there's, and there's lots of, uh, uh, if you, if you take the whole loop trails and everything, you'll, you'll see a lot of things that you didn't realize were there. Most, I, I've heard people say, I've gone to first bull run, but it's not like Gettysburg. You can do the whole thing in 20 minutes. I said, well, then you didn't do the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's spot on. And I, I've been in, I've been to uh, bull run right three or four times and it's, there's a lot to see there. It's really, it's really, it's really a neat place. Harry, speaking of people, are there one or two individuals from this battle who, and and, uh, I hate to use this word, but it's the only word I can think of right now, two or three people that, that, uh, one or two people that resonate with you, that you, you know, you really just love their stories and, and you're fascinated with. Um, well, there are. I mean, uh, probably first and foremost would be the uh, commander of the uh, Union forces there, which was Irvin McDowell. Um, he's kind of a shadowy figure because, uh, not because of a lack of interest in him or anything like that, that some people say that they find him boring or whatever. But really the reason that we don't know a lot about him is because we never found his papers. Uh, they were either destroyed by his wife after he passed away, or I don't even know which one of them died first, but they were either destroyed by his family after he passed away, or they're somewhere, and we don't know where. Uh, R.M. Johnson, who wrote a history of uh, the first battle about 100 years ago, referred in his um, introduction to having been denied access to the papers. Not that they didn't exist, but they existed he thought he was going to get access and he didn't get access. Um, but his story is kind of fascinating because his rise to power is kind of mysterious and has always been described as kind of serendipitous. But really, he had a very, very deep political ties. His family had deep political ties in Ohio. And if you read about the early part of the war, you find out it's very much an Ohio war. Um, the personalities in the... Uh, on the federal side, a lot of Ohioans in there. And um, so his story has always interested me. Um, some individuals, uh, soldiers, uh, just because we did a, a lot of work with the 69th New York State Militia recently, there's some fascinating characters in there, um, like um, uh, James McKay Rorty, who was uh, in, the, in the 69th New York, and then later, uh, was killed at Gettysburg uh, as an artillery officer, uh, but was also a a mucky muck in the uh, Fenian uh, or Finian, depending on how you pronounce it, uh, movement, um, Irish Republican uh, movement here in the United States. Uh, some of the letter writers are fascinating. Uh, there was a, a fellow from the uh, 8th Georgia, his name is escaping me right now, that was uh, all over the battlefield trying to get his wounded lieutenant colonel taken care of. Um, there are fellows whose stories after the war are very, very fascinating. Uh, uh, a guy from the um, from Hampton's Legion who became a, something of a folk artist who exhibited in New York. Uh, has his first exhibit uh, of his artwork came when he was somewhere in his 70s. Um, I could go on, but, uh, yes, there are a lot of fascinating 
individuals. And that's, and, and the reason I find it so fascinating is it's their whole life story. I find fascinating. Usually it's not just what they did there at the battle. Sure. So Harry, if there's one book that you could recommend about the first battle of bull run, what, what would that be? Uh, that's John Hennessy's book. Um, uh, Bull Run and then and into first Bull Run and into Innocence, I think it might be first Manassas. I'm gonna screw that up, but uh, the subtitle is an end to innocence. An end to innocence. It's a very short book. Uh, he recently did a, uh, a second edition of it, where which was significantly uh, changed from the first edition that came out. I think in 1989, maybe. Um, that's it's a concise but very very well written um and very evocative um book that's the one that i would recommend to everybody uh just to backtrack one second though because i know you wanted me to mention this we did do a tour on the anniversary this year uh july 21st so that's um, was for the uh, prince william county preserve historic preservation division and um, that was a, a general tour of sites around the battlefield. But the, what, what was really uh, stands out in my mind was it was 103 degrees. Whoa. And uh, the heat index was 118. Uh, so that was the hottest day I've spent there. But if you ever go to Manassas in the summer, it's a really, really hot place. So take lots of water. When's the best time to visit that field, Harry? Well, I'm... I'm one of those guys that likes to go to these battlefields in the, you know, in the, in the fall, in the winter and the early spring, because uh, all the battlefields nowadays are much more forested than they were. Uh, so you get better lines of sight um, because people don't typically go out nowadays and chop down trees in the national park, you know, to, to burn in the home hearth. But back then that's what everybody did. So uh, even when even wooded areas back then were much more uh, because of that and because of, of livestock um, and whatever. So the the sight lines are a lot better at most Civil War battlefields uh, when there's less foliage around and also there's fewer people. Definitely. Now, Harry, you yeah. also you also have a connection to my favorite battlefield in Tetum. Uh, Harry is a board member of the Save Historic Antietam Foundation. Full disclosure, I'm a recent addition to the board. So, Harry, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what SHAF, correct, uh, what Save Historic Antietam Foundation is all about? Uh, the Save Historic Antietam Foundation has been around since 1986, so it's one of the oldest um, preservation, uh, battlefield preservation groups in the country. Um, and we are concerned about the preservation of Civil War sites associated with um, the Antietam Valley, so the, the Creeks Valley, um, and with a specific concentration on the uh, sites associated with the 1862 Maryland campaign. Um, the way we go about doing that, um, try to hold properties ourselves, uh, but we may purchase uh, property or purchase uh, protective easement on those properties. Uh, we've purchased property. 
Harry, are you there? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. Hello? There you go. <laughs> okay. Sorry, listen. Uh, where, did I, where, did, where did I drop off? <laughs> oh, anywhere you want to start. I'll start over again with Shep. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Shep's been around since 1986, and we, we're, we're concerned with preserving um, sites associated uh, with primarily the 1862 Maryland campaign, but anything in the uh, Antietam Valley that um, is Civil War related, really. Uh, we've partnered with um, other organizations um, to, we use the word save, it's in our title, so I guess to save and preserve these sites, um, either through outright purchase and, and then sale uh, or donation to the uh, National Park Service within the battlefield confines or the purchase of uh, um, protective easements. We have actually outright purchased properties, put easements on them, and then sold them afterwards to somebody else uh, so that the easement is still there and protecting the historic aspects of those um, those sites. And listeners, if, if you want to uh, donate or contribute time or in any way be a part of Safe Historic Antietam Foundation. You can just Google shaft. I believe it's shaft.org. Is that correct, Harry? Shaft.org is our website. You can find us on uh, uh, Facebook as well. Excellent. Well, Harry, in, in the few uh, remaining minutes that we have here on John Banks' Civil War podcast, I'm going to ask you, uh, kind of put you on the spot. And I'm shamelessly, yeah. Harry, I'm, I'm going to admit this. I am shamelessly stealing this bit from Civil War Talk Radio and uh, Gerald Prokopovich. Hopefully I pronounced that right. I am part Slovak, so I should be able to do that better. But at the end of the year, I'm from McKeesport. McKeesport, we had to know how to say all those names. (laughs) My my mother, who's up in heaven, is looking down upon me, and she's shaking her head right now. Um, Because I grew up. I always say Prokopovich, but I don't know. Yeah, I grew up here eating halupkis and Slovak food. In fact, I can still smell it right now, and I wish I had a, a, a really good meal of halupkis right now. But at the end of his podcast, uh, and I really like his podcast, by the way, I listen to it on Civil War trips. He always asked the, the, the guest, if you could go back in time and talk to one Civil War personality, who would that be? So, Harry, there you go. I never thought about that, honestly. And I've, I've heard that, too. Um, I guess for me, because I'm so interested in, uh, in, in the plan for the campaign of First Bull Run, I probably want to go back and talk to uh, Irving McDowell and uh, just conf- hopefully confirm my, my thoughts on what he was intending um, or if I'm wrong. He could correct me. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably like to go back and talk to him a little bit. Not, pe- not a lot of people find him to be a fascinating character, but uh, just because it's uh, um, so central to what, to what I'm doing, that's probably who I'd like to talk to. Most excellent. Well, well Harry, I want to thank you for being on uh, John Bax's Civil War blog podcast. And listeners, if you want to dive into – Harry's terrific work on the first battle of Bull Run. Uh, the address is bullrunnings.wordpress.com. 
That's bullrunnings.wordpress.com. Or you can simply use uh, that terrific tool known as Google. Uh, it's a really terrific work by Harry. He's been doing it for a long time. I've been a, a long time admirer. And uh, congratulations, Harry, on, on all the stuff that you do. And thanks again for being a guest. Thanks for having me, John. Very good. Listeners, I will, uh, our, uh, we'll have a new podcast coming out soon. In the meantime, this will be archived for uh, everybody to listen to, to their heart's content. Thanks again, Harry. Have a good evening. You too. Thanks.